Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. In this episode, a recording from the 2014 Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference, which was held at NUI Maynooth. The conference, now in its fourth year, was generously supported by the UCD School of History and Archives, UCD Research, Marsh's Library, Graduate Studies at NUI Maynooth, and the Department of History at NUI Maynooth. This podcast features a paper by J. Stuart Kyo of the University of Dundee. His paper was entitled French Silver, Jacobite Pen, Propaganda from Dublin, 1689 to 1690. The aim of this paper is to shed light on what might be termed uh, information wars, both in Ireland and the wider context of Jacobites in the Three Kingdom context, in the period 1689 to 1690. It will show ways in which Jacobite propaganda was encouraged and financed by the French, who from early on wished to influence its content. The study moves on to look at Jacobite efforts to produce printed material both for uh, consumption in Ireland and distribution in England and Scotland. Some examples will be given for uh, also for uh, domestic Jacobite uh, propaganda production in Britain and how the Williamite regime sought to crack down on this activity and prevent its circulation. Where I come from is really look, trying to use French sources to look at Irish situations. So the, the reading I've done tends to sort of fall between national linguistic lines and between um, French history, British history, uh, Irish history. So uh, I am a fan of quite a number of people on this uh, list, notably uh, Edward Corp, who's done wonderful uh, work on Jacobites in exile. Um, wonderful book also, Jacob Zoll's uh, Colbert's Secret State Intelligence Service. Um, and uh, a couple of people who have attempted crossovers uh, whom I admire uh, between the sort of British and French and Irish sort of historiographical uh, landscape, somebody like uh, Nathalie Genet-Roufiac, who's just um, published recently a biography of Jacques II instead of James II. Um, Obviously, uh, for my studies at Dundee, I was involved with um, modern uh, reading, modern French historians like Thierry Sarmont, who's done a lot of work on Louvois and government under Louis XIV, and uh, Guy Rowlands, uh, of course, at, I think he's at St. Andrews, um, with his wonderful book on Louis XIV and the Army uh, Dynastic State. Just a quick uh, view of the sources I've been looking at. Um, a lot of it comes from Négociation de Monsieur le Comte d'Avaux, who's uh, Louis XIV's ambassador uh, to James II. There's other documents which are not in Davaux, um, uh, which are now in the, uh, obviously in the Archive des Affaires étrangères. All of Davaux's stuff is there, but it's just a case of you get some of the other correspondence coming in at the same time, which modifies uh, what one might read in Davaux. Um, from a British point of view, uh, calendar state papers and the House of Lords manuscripts. Uh, and then there's some interesting manuscripts <coughs> relevant in the National Library. And uh, the National Library also, very interestingly, has copies of a lot of the French uh, microfilms, both for Vincennes and for um, La Courneuve. So if you, don't need, if, you don't, if you can't find the time to go over to France, you can always see the same microfilms in National Library. Um, I suppose the definition of propaganda is probably good to start with. This is one I've taken from Lois Schwer. Any systematic scheme or concerted effort for the propagation of a particular doctrine or point of view. So obviously propaganda this time has uh, is deemed to be part of tracts and pamphlets, graphic pamphlets, prints, 
handwritten newsletters, newspapers and medals. What I'm contrasting, concentrating on here is selected pamphlets and some declarations by James II. Uh, the people I'll be mentioning, obviously Louis XIV from the French side, Colbert de Croissy, who's the French Foreign Secretary, uh, Nicolas de la Reynie, who's the Police Chief of Paris, and the Comte d'Avaux. Um, from the Jacobite side, obviously James, uh, his consort Mary of Modena, um, John Drummond, Earl of Melfort, uh, Secretary of State and one of the most senior, the only senior, one of the few only senior figures to follow James into exile. Um, Richard Talbot, Earl of Tyrconnell, and Sir Henry Waldegrave, who was Comptroller and Envoy to the French Court. And on the Williamite side, um, specifically uh, Daniel Finch, Earl of Nottingham, who was the Secretary of State in Britain at the time. So I can skip over a lot of this sort of stuff. Obviously, this is background to the um, glorious, so-called Glorious Revolution. Um, James's flight to France in 1688 is really the start off. Um, obviously, the key points here is that uh, James had fled to France. Um, I'm sure he realised that once he got to France that he had been beaten, you know, comprehensively in the information war, so to speak, with his son-in-law. So this is something that, as uh, he has a chance of getting back into his three kingdoms through Ireland, which uh, Tyrconnell had held for him. And um, I suppose one thing to sort of underline is the fact that a lot of the history, when they talk about Jacobite Ireland, is the, it's slightly teleological in the sense that it was only ever a diversion. Uh, there was never, ever going to be anything else. In Davos' correspondence, certainly early on, it's quite clear that had James been more successful in Ireland, had he taken Derry, Scotland and England was most definitely the, main, the next uh, target. And... I think William, or Louis was pragmatic in the sense that he's got, he had a large European war on his hands and he is, any success is going to be good and is going to be followed up on. So if it couldn't be Flanders where there's stalemate, it might as well be the uh, British Isles. This is uh, a print from uh, wonderful site Gallica, the French uh, Bibliothèque Nationale. This is an, uh, from the Almanac of 1689-1690, uh, and it's showing Louis XIV and James II embracing uh, as uh, James is welcomed at Saint-Germain-en-Laye. Um, one of the first documents to look at is... Um, a letter from Nicolas de la Reynie uh, to Colbert de Croissy. So he says, following permission from His Majesty the King of England, His Majesty, this is Louis XIV, the King of England, through Lord Melfort, has appointed Messrs. Martin and Boudot of Paris as his official printers. And la Reynie assures Croissy that he's, he's doing what he does for actually a lot of published work in Paris. He asks for a copy from the printer so it's reviewed before it's been literally been given the okay to be to go ahead. So this is something he's going to do for Melfort's documents. It's not something specifically different, but it's just the supervision of printing in France being applied to um, to, to James's propaganda. And one of Melfort's drafts actually talks about that the Pope should have a right to overthrow Protestant rulers. And this obviously targeting William, but this was a, a, a concept which completely horrified the French at the time, not least because they had dreadful uh, relations with the papacy and especially Innocent XI. 
so that was never. Uh, La Reine specifies and recommends to Croissy that this document should never be printed in French. Um, this is what, uh, on the, on the uh, example of a document censored by French, une question odieuse is what uh, La Reine terms uh, the power attributed to the Pope to oppose sovereigns in disfavour with Rome. These are some of the people involved. John Drummond of the Earl of Melfort, uh, and Jean-Antoine de Meme, oh, misspelling uh, Comte of Ambassador of Louis, uh, of Louis XIV to James II. From a French silver point of view, um, Louis XIV had decided to give uh, a subsidy to James of 600,000 livres per, uh, per annum, uh, which is about 50,000 pounds sterling at the time. So that's, I'm basing that on a sort of exchange rate, or, uh, which is av- uh, worked out between, uh, uh, present in both uh, Guy Rowlands and Edward Corp. When James came over to Ireland in 1689, he arrived, uh, Davos came with a 500,000 livres um, in gold and silver coin. So he was instructed to give 300,000 to James immediately, but he was also instructed to keep 200,000 just in case for uh, extra... Um, extra uh, expenses. So printing in, in Dublin at the time was under the, uh, under the auspices of the, the, the King's Printer, licensed. Uh, officially Benjamin Took, but it was generally assigned to Andrew Crook of Skinner's Row. And then later on in 1690, um, uh, Crook prints a lot of uh, Tyrconnell's proclamations and James's proclamations. Uh, and declarations, but um, by 1690, there's a Catholic James Malone who's printing. So, obviously, the aims of the propaganda to keep alive the Jacobite cause in the rest of the three kingdoms, to attempt to undermine popular support for William and Mary, and to influence public and gentry opinion during specific periods. Um, one of the first um, items which comes up in the French archives is a French copy of the documents underlining Croissy's need to, 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 to review them. as a proclamation of James VII of Scotland to his nobles and commoners assembled in Edinburgh. And it's given on board the Saint-Michel, which is obviously a French ship, and he's waiting in the roadstead of uh, Brest for a fair wind to Ireland. So this is waiting while he, written while he's on the uh, ship. Uh, a later version of the uh, this same doc- declaration um, said those who continued to sit in uh, the Scottish Convention, which eventually offered the crown and gave the crown of uh, Scotland to William and Mary, um, said that the men were uh, men of per- pernicious principles and wicked designs. Um, so what does Louis XIV advise? Well, it's clear that he... So he states clearly to Davos on 23rd of March 1689... I have seen the letter which the said king has written to the Scottish Convention, which does not seem persuasive enough to bring them back to their duty. Uh, he advises Devoe to press James to soften his tone to Scottish and English subject in any declarations. This is in April. He suggests a generalised pardon and promise from James to limit any dispensations from the Test Act and that the Protestant faith is, should be no break to preferment and reward in James's service. It's quite ironic coming from Louis XIV. 
having said that, he does uh, tell Davo, don't press James too much if the message coming from the French is not well received. So it's, uh, he's his ally, but ultimately he leaves it up to, uh, to James. So from the uh, documents, we can basically tell that there are three possible distribution channels for uh, Jacobite propaganda. From Ireland, to in once, once James has control of printing infrastructure in Ireland, so from Ireland to Scotland and England. Um, internally in England and Scotland where things are being printed as well. And then there's money coming from France to England to pay for printing done in England. So there's an intercepted in the calendar, or sorry, the House of Lords manuscripts, is an intercepted letter from the 9th of June from a Charles Powell. I'm not sure how real these, some of these names are, but certainly to a John Lane merchant Broad Street in London. It contains six printed copies of James II's Scottish Declaration, clearly stating these prints are intended to be reprinted and distributed. Money will be sent according to expectation per the way of France and to the friend, the linen draper. Pray order him to draw a bill of exchange for £25,000. What a sum. Upon the Lord Waldegrave, His Majesty's envoy extraordinary at the court of France and directed to Saint-Germain at 10 days' sight. Having said that, Louis, he's, he's under a lot of financial pressure himself and... He makes it clear to DeVoe in July 1689 that he can't fund everything the Jacobites are doing. He's not, it's, France is not an, inexha- an, exist, an exhaustible source of money, even though the Jacobites seem to think it is. But um, he states, The great expenditure I am obliged to make on every front does not permit me to cover the bills of exchange which the King of England said he would draw on Lord Waldegrave. Moreover, had the 10,000 pistoles, or louis d'or, I ordered given to Lord Walgrave three months ago, had it been better managed, I'm sure there would be still some left, and they'd have better knowledge of events in London. So obviously it's been used. Um, Waldegrave is using the money for printing and also for gathering intelligence. It's obviously expensive business. Melfort, writing from Dublin, wrote to Croissy, also uh, requesting money. The king's servants who have managed the printing and distribution of papers written against the Prince of Orange, always this term for William, have spent £10,000 sterling of their funds and already asked for more. And Melford again suggests the French should send monies to letters of exchange uh, via Lord Waldegrave. Now, what else was printed? Um, one of them, more, uh, less to do with the sort of declarations and more to a sort of uh, newsletter or news sheet, um, which is lovely. To, I love these, love, love these long 17th century titles. A relation of what most remarkably happened during the last campaign in Ireland betwixt His Majesty's Army Royal and the forces of the uh, Prince of Orange sent to join the rebels under the command of the Count Schomburg. Can't imagine this guy, whoever wrote this, uh, working for uh, a tabloid. <laughs> Um, published by authority, printed for Alderman James Malone, bookseller in Skinner Row. And that is the, in the National Library. Um, what is interesting is down at the bottom you can see, uh, it says, I don't know who wrote this, but it seems to have been, um, to be reprinted in London 17th of April 1690. Well, that was somebody. Uh, it's actually in the collect, collect, it was in the collection of uh, Narcissus Luttrell. Uh, what is interesting, uh, so it's a Jacobite pen. Who's writing? 
Well, I think for the declaration, it seems likely that James and Melford were doing a lot of the writing, and they're assisted by David Nairn, uh, secretary to Melford. For the what most remarkably happened, there's an article, I think, by a fellow called Anselm Faulkner, who seems to think that the what most remarkably happened was originally written by a, a, an eyewitness to the combats with Schomburg in 1689, Father Anthony O'Rourke, because there's an almost copy, written, handwritten copy in the Franciscan archives, and you can see it on the UCD website. Um, they say he's an Irish speaker because, uh, unlike the, the printed copy, he writes uh, Drogheda and things like that, uh, places like that, ARD, probably from an Irish speaker's point of view, doing an English phonetic. Um, there are other Jacobite publications written in England. Uh, written in England. Um, some of them are identified as being by George Hicks, who was an ex-dean of Worcester. And I don't think Charles Leslie is a son of the Bishop of Clare, the famous non-jury. He's writing this early. I could be wrong. So how successful was uh, Jacobite propaganda? The envoy uh, of Modena writes to the Tuscan Secretary of State in June 1689, 13th instance, the House of Commons decreed that the proclamation of the late king, dated from Dublin in May, although full of justice, goodness and clemency, offering pardon to all, even the most criminal of traitors and rebels, should be burned by the hangman, which has shocked the foreigners unaccustomed to such inhumanity. Obviously, he's probably not the intended uh, recipient, so might be taken with a pinch of salt. Um, John Graham, a Jacobite, Bonnie Dundee, was cited as saying that because Melford was so unpopular in Scotland, his signature on Scottish declarations from James II's put, quote-unquote, 10,000 swords out of the king's way. A Williamite, Sir Charles Brandon, who in 1689-1690, he's stationed on the north coast of Wales and Lancashire, and he's travelling around trying to intercept ships coming from Ireland, landing papers. And he says, there are abundance of the late king's declarations sent into the country, but they make no impression on anybody. Tyrconnell, writing, Jacobi, writing to Mary, Modena, Mary of Modena, decried French attempts to influence what was sent to England. The little knowledge they have of the king's affairs, as well as that of the three kingdoms. Um, this is the Williamite reaction. April 1689 is when legislation is passed making it treasonable to declare James II as king and to assist or promote his cause. Nottingham is really the, the key mover in this the sort of suppression of this uh, commerce of propaganda. And the clampdown, interesting that in England, like the original copy we saw, there's not a warrant issued April 1690 to apprehend Mr. Poole, others, for printing and publishing scandalous and seditious pamphlets entitled A Relation of What Most Remarkably Happened. So this is something that's specifically, writ specifically printed in Dublin. It's travelled to England and it's been reprinted there. Now obviously nobody's going to change the name down at the bottom and say I printed it instead of James Malone. Obviously it's the same. You see the English version says James Malone. What could we say in the conclusions? It's clear from some, what you might call in a, in a legalistic point of view, uh, I remember doing jury service and I heard this term which was found it very useful, islands of truth. What you don't have is a, a really long list of evidence. What you do have is islands of truth 
or a smoking gun. You have references to money, you have references to uh, advice from Louis XIV to DeVoe to James, you have references to money coming from France to London to pay for printing, you have documents being printed in France, turning up in Dublin, turning up in Britain. Definite link, very early on, 1689, 1690. January 1689, they're discussing what to print, who to send it to in England. Very early on. It's not something I've... It's something that I got quite excited about when I started reading about it. So what can we say in conclusion? French definitely assisted the Jacobites in their propaganda efforts with finance and infrastructure and advice. It happened both in France and in the Three Kingdoms. A lot of the printing is done in, in, in Ireland, but there is some done in France too. Uh, I don't have much, as much evidence for that. I have one reference. Louis XIV strangely suggested concessions and moderation from a religious point of view. Their influence is not overbearing. Despite having all the money, they don't seem to be trying to force it down James's throat, perhaps unwisely for Jacobites. Don't know those. Jacobite propagandas efforts ultimately failed due to, I think largely to James and his advisors and certainly for Scotland as Bonnie Dundee said, the presence of Melfort with messages not to the taste of the target audience in England and Scotland and there we go